Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Thursday Thoughts. I hope this podcast episode finds you well. I hope you're all having a a great day and a wonderful week. And I'm excited to be back with you guys for another episode today. So I'm going to get right to it. Just a quick reminder about this season of Thursday Thoughts. We've been looking at 1 John so far. We'll eventually look at 2 and 3 John as well. And the whole goal of this season of Thursday Thoughts is for us to see how can you know whether or not you are a Christian? How can you know whether or not you are considered a child of God? What are the defining marks of a Christian, right? Because if we're going to be called children of God, we're supposed to show characteristics of God. Just like children, you know, show features of their parents. And so that's a lot what the, that's mostly what this season is about. And so whether or not you are a Christian or aren't a Christian, you can listen to these episodes and get an idea. This is what a Christian's supposed to be. And and also from this season and from first John in particularly, we'll also get to look at what a Christian is not. And so, with that being said, continuing our thought from last week, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 3 again. We're going to finish the chapter out today, verses 11 through 24. Quick recap of last week. Last week we looked at 1 John chapter 2, verses 28 through 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. In particular, John is talking about how we are fortunate enough to be called children of God, and how can you know if you're a child of God? Well, that means you live righteously. You are righteous, just as he is righteous. And if you don't live righteously, then you are practicing lawlessness, and you are considered a child of the evil one, a.k.a. a child of the devil. And so today, John is going to um, he's going to kind of further that discussion. He's going to talk about it in a little bit more detail and go into it more with a specific example, and a specific example of what a child of the evil one looks like, and then he's going to look at a... He's going to give us practical application on how to make sure that we are doing the things that a real child of God would do. And the defining mark of a Christian, as we've seen already in 1 John, but especially in these last couple of chapters of 1 John, the defining mark of a Christian is love. Love is the defining mark of a Christian. And if you, can't, if you don't have love, you can't be a Christian. And we'll especially see that when we get into 1 John chapter 4. But we're already going to see that a good bit today in 1 John chapter 3. And so let's set up our context here. And so, again, as I've already said, love but also obedience serve as evidence of a genuine relationship with Jesus and other believers, right? So not only love but obedience also is evidence of a good relationship. It means loving other people even at a personal cost. And so here in 1 John uh, here in 1 John chapter 3, John develops that argument more fully. These these 14 verses give us one of the most powerful expressions of love that you will ever find. John returns to the role of love as proof that we are walking in the light. He reminds his readers and us that this is a central part of the message that they received from the beginning. And so, let's read our text, 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. 
Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is the commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. All right, there's a lot to unpack here, so let's jump into it. So let's start with verse 11. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 11, John begins this discourse on love by saying this message that he's telling them about love is one that they've heard from the beginning of their Christian lives. And it's, what, it's the gospel. The good news of Jesus is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, right? So whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. And so obviously John, if John wrote that stuff down in his gospel, he obviously told, he told all these stories of Jesus to these Christians when they became Christians. And so the, the gospel message is grounded in the very nature of God, and that is that God is love. And it was taught by Christ himself to his followers, right? Jesus, multiple times in the Gospel of John, talks about, you know, if you abide in me and my love, then you'll abide with God and his love, right? Just as, anyway, that whole discussion. And so this is, a, this is not a new message that they've heard, right? So he's reminding them this is, like, it's both, as we re- saw in 1 John chapter 2, it's both a new commandment and an old commandment, because they've always been expected to love people, but now Jesus has brought that love to a further extent. And as Christians, we are supposed to give this agape-type love, a selfless, sacrificial-type love, to the rest of the world around us, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as to non-Christians in this world, as Jesus tells us, you know, to love our enemies. 1 John chapter 3, verse 12, the next verse, John cites Cain as an illustration of the absence of love, which marks the child of the devil. Again, so the point of this podcast and the point of this season and the point of this today's episode is for us to continue the thought we had last week about children of God versus children of the evil one. John is giving examples now. So Cain, he uses Cain as a negative example uh, and uh, as an example of the child of the devil. The apostle's choice of Cain demonstrates the, the antithetical natures of the children of God and the children of the evil one. The reference to the hatred exhibited by Cain introduces an additional aspect of this conflict between good and evil. In 1 John 3.13, namely, this this conflict is God-prompted love and Satan-inspired hatred. The hostility and enmity between righteousness and sinfulness, as emulated in the account of Cain and Abel, 
will never end in this world, which is why hatred continues to be the reaction of the world toward the children of God, right? Verse 13, don't be surprised if the world hates you. And so Cain is a good example of what happens when you don't have love in your life. You have hatred. If you don't have love in your life, then you're going to have the opposite thing. And that's what John is trying to point out. And so if you don't have love, then you're going to be like Cain. And because Cain had hatred in his heart, he obviously murdered his brother, but that also John calls him a child of the devil, which means that he was lost. And so moving on, 1 John 3, verses 14 through 18. In verse 14, John once again advocates that a person can measure if they know Jesus and have truly moved out of the realm of darkness and death into the realm of light and life by whether or not they love other people and love other Christians. In verse 15, John applies the example of Cain murdering his biological brother to hatred between siblings in the Lord. Hatred comes from the same emotional place as murder, a point that Jesus made in Matthew 5, 21 through 24. Right? Because Jesus said, even if you hate, you know, it's like you're committing murder. John now proves his point that lack of love is evidence of spiritual death. And so if we don't have love, we are not spiritually alive, we are spiritually dead. That means we're abiding in death. Having shown that love is at the evidence of life, he explains in verse 16 that the essence of love is self-sacrifice, which was perfectly manifested in Jesus and should characterize the life the lives of his followers as well. In short, verses 16 and 17 specify how it is that believers are to show one another love and how conversely the these these as we've talked about the opponents that John's facing in 1 John are these Gnostic teachers, these secessionists, if you will, these people who've separated from the church, they're obviously not loving one another or loving people at all. John concludes verse 18 with a challenge. John's challenge in this section is for his readers to be genuine in their love. One of the distinguishing marks of a child of God is love, a love that originates in God, displays itself in actions of self-service, and is evidence of eternal life. It's funny, we actually just had a Bible class last night. We were talking about how to be an example in love with the youth group from 1 Timothy 4.12. You know, set the believers an example in one of the things in Paul's list to Timothy is love. And I, I came here to 1 John 3.18, and I told the kids, I was like, how do you know if someone loves you? And, you know, they gave me some answers. And eventually we got to where, well, you know if someone loves you by the things they do for you. Right? You know if someone loves you if they take care of you. You know if someone loves you if they go out of their way to do things for you, if they sacrifice for you, if they buy you meals, if they keep you fed, if they put a roof over your head. I'm speaking from a child's perspective, but as an adult, you know someone loves you when they ask about your day, when they, when they genuinely want to be a part of your life, when they do things out of the blue for you, right? when they go the extra mile. That's how you know someone loves you. True love shows itself not just in word and talk, but in deed and truth. Because someone could tell you they love you, but if they don't show it, like if they don't do things for you, if they don't, if they don't like make you feel good, if they're mean to you, or if they just act like they don't care about you, do they really love you? They may say they do, but they don't. Actions speak louder than words. And that's John's point here. You know, let our love be genuine. John is saying, so as Christians, love is a defining mark of the Christian 
that means that you do things for people. You do things in love. You don't just tell people you love them, but you actually do something. That's the difference between real Christians who say they have love versus these Christians versus Christians who say they love you, but then they they just say it. They don't do anything else. I like verse 17. Because John's, you know, if we, if anyone has the world's goods and, and sees a brother in need and closes his heart against them, how does God's love abide in him? In other words, as Christians, if we see people in need and do nothing, how does God's love abide in us? You know, and that's a tough one. That's a tough one to work on. And so, let's move on. Verse 19 forms the bridge between these two sections, you know, they're still, it's still one section, but it's kind of like a new thing John's about to talk about. So verse 19 serves as a bridge. Uh, John has urged upon his readers the, the necessity of loving in truth and immediately goes on to indicate that this is how they know that they belong to truth in verse 19, right? By this, we know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him uh, in love, right? That's how you know if you belong to truth, if you love in action. Um, truth can only be characterized, or excuse me, truth can only characterize the behavior of those whose very nature and character originates in the truth. So that is, by our loving others in truth, we know that we ourselves belong to it. Verse 20 talks of the work of the Holy Spirit in a true believer. The work of the Holy Spirit at work in the life of a believer reveals where sin is present. Both the kind that is obvious and the sin of failing to take action on God's behalf. When this revealing takes place, a person is prompted to change their habits and can do so by the power of the Holy Spirit's work within them. Verse 20 is a reminder that his omniscience strengthens and encourages us, but it also challenges us. For we know that he knows everything and will require an accounting of service done on his behalf. God can overcome whatever stands between people and him and is already aware of the issue, which implies that there is no point in holding anything back from God because he already knows. In verse 21, John's personal address, Beloved, expresses his concern for his readers who have experienced the struggle of a condemning heart. A reminder that they know the love of God would serve to comfort them. Verse 22 reminds us we have confidence not only to enjoy access to him in prayer, but to receive answers from him too. Verses 23 through 24 conclude this section by nicely summarizing the two themes of 1 John. The commands to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and to love the brothers, to love your neighbor as yourself. John's readers do these things because they possess the Holy Spirit. You know, we know that he abides in us by the spirit he has given us. In this section, John provides the believer with certain assurances that accompany being a child of God. With these assurances comes the overwhelming truth that we can stand confidently before God in prayer and rest assured that he will answer our requests. John's message shows us that we are to love one another and follow Jesus' example of love. By emulating that example, we can learn whether or not we are true Christians. If we do it, we will learn that we are true Christians. God's command is that we believe in Jesus and that we love one another. If we do this, we have fellowship with God, and through the Holy Spirit, we know 
that God lives in us. And so that can't happen without love. And so basically, to, to put this whole section short, is that, to, to summarize it in one simple phrase, they'll know we are Christians by our love. And so the question for us today is, do they know that we're Christians by our love? Or can they not tell you're a Christian because you don't have love evident in your life? Because if we don't have love in our life, then we have the opposite thing. And so we need to make sure that we are loving the way that God has called us to. And next week we'll get to dive even more into the Holy Spirit and stuff like that, and that's always really interesting. So, the things, the, the two things that we need to remember from this passage, most importantly, is number one, we need to show our love in actions. Our love needs to be genuine. And number two is that if our love is genuine and we show it in action, people will know that we are children of God. I hope today's episode has been a benefit for you. I pray that it is encouraging for you, and I pray that you have learned something and you can apply it to your life. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode, and Lord willing, we'll see you next week.